about the story, the story that we tell ourselves and the story we tell others. And finding that story that resonates. You know, if I'm an actor, I want to do a role that's going to get people moving, crying, screaming, laughing. If I'm a director, I want to craft that story. But as a fitness professional, I want to know what's your story. And I want to help you tell it the best way. I want to give you the ending that you, you want. And that's what I'm trying to do. So when people said, I've just come back from injury, you know, I just had a child. I just don't know what to do. That's one chapter in their story, but it's not the final chapter. And so I, my goal is always to help people find a new chapter. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Creating the 4% Podcast, real life stories from FitPros. I'm your host, Maria Costello. Stories of motivation, discipline, failure, and success from your favorite fitness instructors. A podcast about how to create an impactful and meaningful class, which amounts to 4% of a person's day. Made with sweat, for fit pros, by fit pros. Thanks for listening, and let's get this episode started. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Today, I have Sean Patrick Tubbs joining us here on the Creating the 4% podcast. He's an actor, director, fit pro at MyX Fitness, City Row, Harlem Cycle, CardioCast, and owner of Black by Brand, the legend, the one, the only, SPT in the house. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. That is a delightful welcome. I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's so good to have you. So for anybody listening who doesn't know you, I just want to say quickly that while we've never met in person, I've been taking your classes through the City Road Go app, and you're one of the first people whose class I took when I joined the team right after having a baby, and Endurance was one of the first classes that I did of yours. And I remember you telling us to set the clock for something insane, like 16 minutes or something like that. And I was just like, oh no, this was a mistake. <laughs> and I still tell all my clients and everyone who comes to City Row that like, if you have not done a Sean Patrick Tubbs or just an endurance class in general, but specifically with you, you haven't lived, you haven't thrived. You don't know what you're capable of because it's just such a beautiful journey to take. And I just a big fan of yours. I'm just so happy you're here. So thank you again. But introduce yourself to everyone and tell us your story and how you went from, you know, being an actor or director, still are into fitness and what that looked like for you. Yes. And thank you so much. And again, I <laughs> I probably said something very insane if it's one of my endurance classes. So that's, that's <laughs> likely very, very true. A little background into myself. So I have, I'm probably the most unlikely person that I can think of to be a fitness professional at this point. I grew up little guy, smallest guy, you know, around in, in my in my class, my school, not very strong, not very fast, but I had a love for athletics. Um, which led me to want to participate in more athletics. I was actually very good at basketball growing up. And I was doing this all alongside of, I've been an actor since I was four years old. 
So I've been doing that. And, but I always wanted to be an athlete, you know, I wanted to be famous pro athlete. And I, I didn't quite make it in basketball. <laughs> I think at my, at my size and probably, well, you know, there's been shorter. I didn't quite have that, but I, I also love track and field. So because of some injuries in high school, I sort of moved to longer distances. I was a sprinter at first and I still couldn't quite get over one injury to my ankle. So when I got to college, I was a walk on into the cross country team, but my ankle didn't quite heal the way it really needed to. So I had to take some time off. And because I wasn't uh, practicing with the team, I was working out in the gym quite often. And, you know, I was, had a lot of time on my hands. I was very like frustrated. So I would spend hours in it and it, it paid off, you know, I looked fairly well from it and I functioned well from it. But what happened was I had a lot of individuals who came up to me and asked me how I did what I did. Like, what did I, how did I come up with the, the workouts that I had? A lot of that happens when you go to any gym or any workout studio, you just go like, I need to be guided. I realized for me, I had a kind of an instinct idea of like how I, when I wanted something, I was searching out how to make it the most effective way to do it. So I said, sure, I'll help you out. What is your goal? I know it can be different than mine. So I started training people not knowing and had, I was, and I didn't even think of it till someone at the gym came up to me and said, do you want to work here? Because I know you're training people. So I don't, you know, I don't know what you're making on the side from them. And I was like, I'm not making anything. They're just coming up to me. I'm giving off. It's like, well, you should make something. Right. So I started studying more and it started keeping my, my passion for really uh, helping people in their fitness journey started then. Now I've always had that as a parallel to being um, a, an actor and eventually now a director. And that's because I think in both facets of being a fitness professional and, and coaching and instructing others, as well as being an actor director, it's really about the story, the story that we tell ourselves and the story we tell others. And finding that story that resonates, you know, if I'm an actor, I want to do a role that's going to get people moving, crying, screaming, laughing. If I'm a director, I want to craft that story. But as a fitness professional, I want to know what's your story. And I want to help you tell it the best way. I want to give you the ending that you, you want. And that's what I'm trying to do. So when people said, I've just come back from injury, you know, I just had a child. Um, I just don't know what to do. That's one chapter in their story, but it's not the final chapter. And so I, my goal is always to help people find a new chapter. You know, I can't write the ending, but I can help you write some chapters that'll get you closer to it. I started off teaching group fitness cycling, and I, so I, am a, I do teach cycling as well in that modality. I was doing all of this in studio, so none of the digital stuff really happened. Um, I've been teaching group fitness for well over 10 years now, and uh, I loved it. I love group fitness there, but I, I felt like something was missing. And cycling is why it's wonderful. It's not a complete full body exercise. And I knew that rowing was, and I actually started rowing during those times where I was injured in school. I was rowing with the crew team, not as a member of the crew team, but they were kicking my butt <laughs> uh, because they were like, if you want to come get a workout, let's jump on these, these rowing machines. And I remembered that and that experience, how I got overall stronger and it made me a better runner, just made me move better, made me function better. So when City Row, which I just somehow just stumbled upon, came around, I walked in. I took one class and I knew that I could offer something and, you know, the rest is history. It's been about five years now. Wow. And, um, 
I've moved since into the digital space in many fronts. You know, I'm on the bike, Mixed Fitness, which is now a beach body company. I'm City Row, of course, been on that on the go uh, side for a while. Do audio content as well because we're all different types of learners. And my goal is not to hopefully convince people that rowing is incredible and it is the thing. But there are so many other things like moving is what the goal is. Find a way to move. I can get you in there. I help you move. But that's that's really where I've where I've come from and sort of how I got to this point. Amazing. So who was your first city road class? So it's with a gentleman. His name was Moses. I don't know if you know Moses. I mean, I started going a long time ago, but I I never took his class. So it was funny because I think I took one of Moses' last classes. You know, the thing about fitness and as an instructor is that it is, you know, everyone sort of knows everyone in a region or an area too, but Mm -hmm. we're all searching for sort of that home, that home base where we can supply the necessities we need as instructors, like financially, you know, the sheer number of classes you're able to teach um, and really the modality that resonates mostly with you. So Every single place I've been, yes, it's as it grows, there are a number of people who come in and out. But what I think is wonderful about, and I would speak on City Rose, and is that everyone sort of has left something behind, something great behind. And we sort of pick up the pieces. I remember the people who have come in. This was my first class, but of course, I quickly got to a class with Annie Mulgrew. Of course. The goat, you know, it's, it's sort of a necessity to have to do. But I remember along the way, as confident as I was, I had to remind myself, and I constantly still do the things I remind others of that it's a process. And I'm not going to be, it's not about being the best anymore at something. It's about being better than I was the day before. And that, that's different because one day I'm not great at the one thing and I'm like, all right, well, tomorrow I'm going to be better at it. I'm better at it. And then I'm not so great at something else that I was maybe better at another day, but it's not about that. It's like, I can only go off of where I just was. So I, you know, I love it. I love, but again, I'm very unlikely to do it. Something you may not know as well is that I've had a couple of different surgeries that had nothing to do with fitness. I was born with scoliosis. So I had a severe curvature in my spine. So actually almost my entire thoracic spine is fused. Wow. So I have two I would have rods, never I would have pins. never known that about you. Most people don't. And I and I and I mention that because I know that when people say like, oh, I had this or I have that or I've been through this, and it sort of lets you know makes you think you can't do it. And I even heard that. I wasn't told directly from a doctor to not do something because I honestly take that very seriously if someone gives me that kind of information. Of but course. They discouraged me. They said, I'm not sure if you're gonna you're gonna be able to do that. And I said, Well, that sounds more like a question. <laughs> and you give me a question, I'm going to fight for an answer. I'm going to be like, I'm going to see. And it became about knowing what I can do and not being so frustrated with what I can't. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we go like, well, I can't do that. Well, that's fine. That's a known. What can you do? You also know that. And right. if you don't, there's more to explore there. Like, I'm not going to do backflips. Probably not going to happen too often. I tried. It's, it, they're, they're interesting to see. But I know I can make my whole body stronger and everyone's going to move a different way. And I found ways to help myself move. So I always tell people, whatever you've gone through, you know, just find that thing that's going to work well for your body. 
You know, yeah. I, not every modality works maybe as well for me, but I, you know, I've, I've found ways that I don't even remember I have it. I sort of say it out loud to remind myself like, oh yeah, yeah. well, I guess that's why. So. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the perfect segue to something I really want to dive in with you because I don't know. Listen, we all know Annie's the GOAT. Annie, I love you. She'll be on the podcast a little later in the season and you'll get to hear how I'm connected with her and how I ran into her when I was in Italy and a whole, it's a whole thing. We have a whole history, but you know, one of the things that I love about your class and I find it harder and harder as an instructor to shut off my mind during my workouts. Cause I'm always like, could I do that? Should I be doing that? Analyzing, looking at this, why did he do that? And instead of just like being in the moment, and being present, but there is something about your positivity and the way that you come across on the screen. I mean, I, I've never even met you in person and your energy to me, which I need energy as an instructor, but also as a human being, your energy to me just pops off of that app and into my legs and on that rower. <laughs> and so, you know, I think positivity sometimes is looked down upon and people don't often understand that being positive is not the same as always being happy all the time. Mm. I'm someone who I think I'm always positive, but as I explain to people, it doesn't mean that I don't have days where I'm not feeling so great about myself or things happening in my life, physically, mentally. So I would love to talk to you about how you define positivity, what it means to you and how you're able to radiate it in your classes digitally. And just before you answer, I just want to say someone else will be on this podcast later on once said that a great instructor can transcend space and time. Mm. And when I tried it, it didn't work out for me. (laughs) (laughs) But when I take classes from people like you, from Annie, I just, there's just something about you. And I just want to know what does that look like for you that we're, that it comes across so easily for us to really feel it. Wow. That's the first incredible line of questioning in that sense. <laughs> Sorry. And I just want to thank you for, for that. No, it's, it's, it's really wonderful. And it's not something, honestly, I think a lot about, not in that way that you phrased the question, but I will talk about like positivity because I, I agree completely with you. People think because of maybe what they see in my workouts or they see, you know, on social, like most that I'm, oh, Sean's is always happy all the time. He's living the best life. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think we've all had our degrees of depression and we still mm-hmm. go through it. And I'm very open and honest with it where like, I have a bad day. I have a bad day. I don't feel physically well or sometimes or, or mentally clear. And, and I always like to say that for me, first and foremost, even before I step on in a, in a classroom or a studio or on set, it's not about pretending that I'm not. I think a lot of people, because they go, well, you have an acting background, so you're just pretending, right? I said, no, as good as I believe I am as an actor, I think authenticity goes so much further than any performance ever could. So my objective is never to dispel the feelings, the distress, all that. It's instead to replace it with what I actually want instead of what I may be in the moment of, because I think like, like water city roads, a little, <laughs> my little puns, I got a ton of them. I love them. Um, I, love them. <laughs> I, love, I love them all. But you know, as water flows, it makes different, like it, it goes different ways. It flows around things. You know, like that's how we work emotionally. 
Like we shouldn't want to statically be in one spot because then we won't appreciate the joy that yeah. it is. And it's a physical manifestation. Now I get a lot of people say it and, and I actually practice this for a while. You may be the first that I've ever said this out, even out loud to, um, like I smile quite often and smiling is a habit for me now. And the reason smiling is a habit is because your body remembers a physical change. So like if you grip your hands really tight, your blood pressure will go up, you'll get tense, you'll actually start to release different hormones. And the same thing actually happens when you smile. So even when you're having the moments where you're not quite where you want to be, if you smile, your body, your mind remembers what a smile means. When we see it, we know what a smile means. Right. So it's the first thing that I try to offer myself because I can feel it. And then I think that's the first thing that I try to offer for those on uh, when I'm uh, trying to bridge space and time on camera. But then the other thing is a life, a life value that I have that I that sort of can be quantified as a positive psychology when it goes there's a whole field on positive psychology, which I have done some study of, but really it's about framing the way we being very intentional by the way we speak and the way we, we, we deliver information, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to tell people what to do. I want to offer them options. You know, what happens in fitness, oftentimes we command people like, you're going to be happy. You got this. Put some joy on. No, no. put some joy on. Yeah, I, someone told me that. Put some joy on. I was like, I don't know what. Put it on my hands, my feet. Put it on. Like, where do you want me to put it? I mean, if you got it, I'm put it on. I'm cool, but if you don't have it. I got to find it. I'm not going to do it. So I always go like, instead of that, is go like, you know, what? I ask the question. What makes you happy? What brings yeah. you joy? What do you think you you know? See what you can do, and then just do more. But whatever happens is what it was supposed to happen. Like you just keep it in that way. But then the other part is, and this is what I learned in class years ago. So hopefully this is helpful to people. And I, and I, I think you can do it in life is when you do anything, do it for someone else. Don't do it for yourself. And what separated from me to being a good instructor to a better instructor, I'm not going to say anyone's bad, but a better instructor mm -hmm. are the instructors. They're instructors who often will take class. And they'll comment on themselves. Oh, my workout. Oh, man. Well, I got that. And they'll look at my split time and that. And it may work for them. For me, it meant I was focusing on me. And it's not. Even if you're across, someone said across the pond who just took a class recently and they took class of mine. Oh, across the pond. And I was like, even across all that distance, I'm only fat, focused on the person on the other side. Like everything I do is to the other side. I can't tell my, I don't care what I row. I don't care how many meters because it's never about that. That's not my time. Someone's giving me their time. Like they've literally offered it to me and say, Hey, here's 30 minutes. I'm gonna hand you. I'm like, oh, okay, well I got to do some, listen, I'm not, let me, let me, what can I offer you back? Well, let right. me fill your time. So I would say do everything uh, in the instance of where it's going to take someone else, every word you say, it's not like, man, Ooh, I really got tired there. It goes like, Hey, are, how are we, how are we doing right now? How are you like, make it about the other side. So for me, that's how it comes out. I'm glad it comes off very positive, but, yeah, more but, than it's, anything, genuine, but, but it's, it's genuine, but it's genuine. It's genuine. It, it, I mean, it is genuine, yeah. but I think even more than being positive, I hope it comes off as authentic. And I think yeah. that's the most positive thing you can have. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that 
that's one of the reasons why I love an endurance class with you because it's the way in which you're queuing, which as you said, you make it about the people taking the class on the other side, but I never feel like you don't care about the effort that you're sharing with us that maybe you're doing, but it's not in the forefront. As you said, it's about, you know, kind of just, I don't know. I love the way you queue. I love the puns. I love everything. I, I makes some, sense. And, oh my gosh. And people, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I have so many of them and people always think like, do you prepare all of those? I don't like, it's really what, it's really what the moment tells me, but right. it's also like, you know, I'm in the middle of going and I'm sitting there and I'm sweating and I go, where can I, can I be an example? Like, this is, I always think like, you know, you, you play like you practice. That was an old sports metaphor. So if you do things one way, so I can't show up in the studio and just all of a sudden become this, this, this beacon and this light. If I'm not, if I'm out there, you know, giving darkness outside. Right. So I always say like, I will give you it all. And that sweat is real. That those groans are real. Um, <laughs> and when you're like, he's making a lot of noises. I don't know. This is real. I'm breathing. I need a moment. But it's yeah. like, I, I can't ask you to give me anything if I'm not willing to give it to you first. Agreed. So that's what yeah. And yeah, and that comes across, which is great. I want to go back to something you said before about so many people that are in theater seem to have a, like a natural transition into fitness. And, you know, the really good ones, as you said, they're not acting. It's just what exactly they're being authentic. But what is the skill set? that you need to flourish in both, do you think, that makes those instructors really great that have both the theater background and the, the fitness background? Yeah, I think what's, what the, that that's allowed those who've had sort of a theatrical or performance background do well in fitness is the they've made an agreement with fear in a way that most people haven't. I when love that. Say, oh, no, afraid. no, they made it. Like, I make an agreement like fear. I see you, but I've seen you a lot. So you just do you. I'm going to do me. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of metaphors that happen in theater. The show must go on. I mean, I've had it where Mike's gone out. The camera's gone off. I don't have all the cameras I need. But the truth of the matter is, is that I have to do it for the audience. So I think that that idea of the of the user on the other side that I just mentioned is what's inherently there when you're a performer, like it can't be about your performance. Those individuals, they may have great charisma and may look amazing, but they don't last very long. The ones who are like, I'm trying to give something to an audience, move an audience. I think that's what does it. I think the other part of it is, is that we are, if you're in a performer, typically you're trained in how to communicate in multiple, multiple ways. We always hear about, you talk about cueing. Well, there's lots of ways to cue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's different learners. So I have to do, vi- you know, visuals. We got the countdown that happens. You know, I have stuff, things where I make sure when I'm doing something, I say, relax your shoulders. I relax my shoulders. When I say cool core and I do it, like I, I mirror it because some people won't be able to hear my words, but then I don't throw my words away. I make sure they're very intentional and that I don't throw anything away. You'll hear that a lot in performers. They say, Hey, you know, don't throw that line away. And I think that when I'm queuing, I'm like, I can't throw the line away where I say, you know, take them if your straps are pulling back on your feet, you know, I, you know, if I just go traps pull back on your feet, you know, just go ahead and just engage more in the platform. Like I'm just running through it, but mm-hmm. if it's important, I'm going to take my time. Yeah. So I, I think that's been one of the natural things I've also, before I ever get stepped in front of, um, uh, on a set 
uh, rowing or cycling anything uh, for digital. I've been on camera before. So me and the camera are friends. Like the lights on it don't disturb me. It, but it's a very, the, it's a very humble way to put it. It's but the, you're a but, star, I mean, I was, Sean Patrick Tubbs. Well, <laughs> no, oh, I pre- listen. You are the, you you are a star. <laughs> you're a star. And I would just it takes practice. Like the yeah. only thing that separates me from a lot of the people because we have such incredible people, let alone coaches and instructors, especially using City Row as an example. But I think the thing that separated me when I got in was not my training. There, I, I'm constantly surrounded by people who have a greater knowledge in health and wellness than I have even begun to have. They knew from a long time ago that was their purpose. So they've been in their purpose a lot longer than me. But I think the thing is, is that I have a lot of practice. And that is the thing that separates everyone from any skill is practice. If, you, if you're not great at it, if it makes you uncomfortable, then you do it more. Like, right. mo- like do it more. And then what happens is you still might be uncomfortable, but you're more used to it. Yeah. So yeah. That's the agreement. Like, all right. Yeah. The agreement and with I, fear. I love that. What yeah. a great answer. Uh, fantastic. But it's so true. Fantastic yeah. answer. Because you always hear actors talking about not being afraid to be vulnerable and like put everything out there. They're afraid. <laughs> but they made an agreement with fear. Right. That I'm going to acknowledge you. I know you're there, but we got a job to do. Right. And then that applies to everyone in life. Like you always Everything. say, you always say that in your classes. And I love that because it's really true. Talk to me about how teaching different modalities shapes you as an instructor. I know a lot of instructor friends who are afraid to step out of their comfort zone if they've only been doing cycling, if they've only been doing city row. My thing is always, well, you should probably like it if you teach it (laughs) baseline. But, you know, from your perspective, what are some of the upsides um, that have helped you teaching different modalities? Yeah, I, I think that's. I think you hit the nail on the head as far as that uh, being uncomfortable. I know that I enjoy making myself uncomfortable. I think that if you're not making yourself uncomfortable on a daily basis, which just happens naturally to me now, I guess I just get uncomfortable with lots of things. I'm doing a lot of things, then you don't grow because you you can't grow in a, everything needs pressure. One of the sayings I love to use, of course, in class a lot is even a diamond has to have pressure before it can shine, like it's just coal first. So I, I think when I different modalities, if you are uh, someone who loves the idea of movement, then for me, I, I started moving through different modalities because it allowed me to find my blind spots when it came first to my physical. Like if I wanted to, like you can't get great in endurance one way. That's not how endurance works. You have to be, you know, to have true endurance, your body needs to be able to do it in different ways. So mm-hmm. cycling endurance is not going to be the same as rowing endurance. You know, some people who can row for, you know, they're in my class and they're like, oh, Sean, I was doing your, you know, your class, but I also rode another 20, you know, 15 K on top. And I'm like, ah, that's crazy to me. And I'll go off and I'll run 20 miles and then I'll come back and I'll cycle, you know, 50, like I can do those, but everyone requires something different. I also think that for those who are nervous about doing it, Remind yourself of what you, of what the end user needs and make it again, less about you. Like nerves come because you're worried that you're going to look bad. 
And as a fitness professional or professional in anything, you don't want to be, you know, there's that imposter syndrome, which I think we all have it a little bit where I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, you're great. You're great. And then you start teaching one thing and you're like, don't look so good. Own it. Say, oh man, I don't look so good. I'm like, this is, I could be better at this and then discover what you need to be better at. But I enjoy teaching different modalities because they were, they also have a different emphasis. When I teach cycling, 99% of the time, it's about the music. I'm, Couldn't I'm, agree I'm, more. I'm, I'm beat based. I'm in it. I'm in right. it to win it because you you sort of have to transport your mind. Like you 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 don't move. You're in a really static area. Like you go up and down, left and right. Even in rowing, we get this we get this flow going, mm-hmm. and it requires when it doesn't require as much physically, it requires more mentally. Mm-hmm. The more physical is required, the the less mental. So when I'm rowing, I build my playlist. I do all that. But most of the time I'm like, people, what was that song? They don't know because physically it's demanding so much that mentally we just need to be focused. Right. Where in cycling, I want, I don't care. Like, listen to me, listen now, listen to the song, jam out, just keep going. Because that's what I would say for anything. Like the only way to lose a race is to not run the race. Right. If you you don't want to lose, stop. If you want to win, just keep going. Keep going. yeah, if you run a marathon, I know people who said, like, I'm like, oh, someone's like, I've run a hundred marathons. I said, amazing. They were like, what's your best time? They said six hours. So no, it didn't matter because the idea is they still finished each and every one. Right. And me, I'm going like, oh, that time wasn't great. But I have to remind myself, I still finished. It's still <laughs> right. I get and you've the done medal. multiple marathons. Right. And I get the medal. I put it up. I'm like, oh, it's all good. So right. I always tell people, just keep going. Don't worry about the speed in which you go. Just get there. I love that. Did you teach during COVID? Have you Absolutely. been teaching? Oh, live or digital? In person. So I did teach during it, which was an interesting experience. I, I think that this time during COVID has taught me more than I have in years in so many ways. Tell um, us about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I have grown and done so much more and have so many more uh, so much more experience when it comes to the digital end for fitness and connected fitness. But when it came back to having to do that first in-person class, which was outside. So mm-hmm. it was outside, you know, socially distanced in mass and trying to make sure that I was like the biggest communicator. Talk about wanting to say, if you were, it wasn't be like to be an actor on stage, mm-hmm. you have to be big enough. People can fully be immersed in it, but they can't see my mouth. I can't see their faces. I can't get that one thing that I say I want to offer to people, which is my smile. Mm -hmm. So I have to smile so big that the energy of that smile resonates in my whole body because my body is going to feel what it feels like to smile. But it was, it was tough in the sense that I had fear too. You know, I had fear to make sure that I was, I could take care of the people who I was coaching that, you know, they hadn't worked out in a while. Um, They were scared about being in proximity to others. How would they be able to breathe? They haven't moved to the point of having to chase their breath with a mask on. So I admit I was going through so many different things and I realized I just needed to be honest. I had to say, hey, listen, I want to make sure you can breathe. Like, let tell me if you can't. Like, I'm going to tell you my fears and not pretend like I got it figured out when we get there. And it was so rewarding because I even find myself walking into a space and trying to mask my own apprehensions when it comes to a large group. And I wanted to tell them, I was like, listen, this is 
I'm, I'm scared about this too. I'm nervous about this too. But the good thing is we share this moment together. Like you're not coming in to see me all confident. You can be nervous. We can be nervous together right. and we can enjoy it and we'll grow and get stronger by the end. And I say that now because it's, it's sort of lived in me, but it was very hard. It was very, very hard at the time. It was very hard. I think that when you first started to answer, you said that it made you learn so much or the most you've ever learned while teaching, right? I mean, I think that that resonates with me so much. I think it was very hard and, and dark coming out of maternity leave and finding, you know, a way to uplift the people who were coming to class and keeping a gauge on my own fears and my own, you know, just... Yes. So many thoughts, so many things. And then the way I, we communicate you, I would say similar to me and that we're expressive, our faces, our smile, you know, just finding a different way to communicate with people when you couldn't see our faces and I couldn't see theirs. Yeah. It taught me so much. So I totally agree with that. I think that it was hard, but honesty really did help because I think it put people at ease to know that we weren't just yeah. like, you know, yeah. And it, and it really pointed out what was what's really so important, what's so valuable. And it's easy to forget, like, I mean, I love teaching digital um, because I do. I love the fact that I feel like I, I can reach people anywhere and I can. This is exactly something. where we're going next. So keep yes. going, because that's, oh, that's where I want to go. I, yep. And but, you know, it's something about when you have. But I learned those lessons because of the community that I form when I see people. Like, what am I trying to replicate when I'm doing digital fitness? Not really, it's not much replicating, but I, I want to capture that energy too. I want to mm -hmm. create a community. I want to take the, the, the eight people who came in that, that park with me and got dirty and sweaty, even though like there were squirrels running around and it was getting crazy in there. And I want to go like that feeling, the fact we were together, that's what we want. We need that. And that can be, I can attempt to find ways to bring that kind of community, that kind of energy when it comes across camera. And that's what I want. Yeah. yeah. I mean, perfect segue, because I want to talk to you about digital because you have so much experience with, I, I said my ex, but it's mix, right? Mix. Yes. Mix. 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 Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's all right. Used to call, people used to say MYX. And mix. <laughs> yeah. and the good, the good thing now is they've been bought. So it's really it's technically open it's fit. open fit. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So. All right. I wasn't sure, but okay. Yeah. So you have so much experience having been teaching for a while in person and then making that transition digital with City Row, with Mix. So I just, you know, what must you do differently as an instructor when you're teaching digitally versus in person? I know we touched up on a little bit, but can you expand on that for anyone who's listening who may think maybe this is where fitness is going? What kind of skill sets do they need to start working on or things to get themselves to a point where they might be able to audition for a digital platform? I love it. I love it. Practical applications is my wheelhouse. I love that stuff there. So I would say the biggest thing about it is, is more than anything else, I say, take, you have to be, make sure you are physically ready to handle the, the difference in the load. And this is what I mean by that. I used to teach in studio 20 some odd classes, 25 classes in studio, but because I had to spend so much time around it coaching, mm -hmm. I was only doing about half of that. Um, as far as physically, like so you mean the, the, the workout, the, the actual class itself. workout itself. Yeah. Yes. I had the funniest thing that happened when I first started teaching cycling, one of the instructors said something, which I think it's hilarious to me, but it sort of 
signifies what it is to teach in studio as opposed to digital. She would yeah. teach in, she, this is in studio. She would say, well, I'm not, don't worry about this. I'm probably not going to do a lot of this workout because if you followed me on Instagram, you know that I've already done my workout. So she would say that, which is terrifying, but that is the mentality. That is sort of the practice what happens in studio. And it's a necessity to a lot of things. Even when I do City Row, I'll use City Row. I get off and I can see things that I can help people improve that. So I have to get right. off my machine and I have visibly to adjust them, you visibly yeah. adjust them. Like you right. have to move into the space. I right. don't have anyone to see what they're doing. So I have to use the knowledge I have to guide where I think it might be. So what I learned is when I started teaching digital, there are no breaks. One, there are no breaks. You got to go. An important and piece of information. It's an important piece of information. So if people are thinking, well, I'm going to stop like I did before. I know some spin instructors who would start teaching digital and they would take that pause like they would do in class to tell people, I'm like, no, there's no, you can't pause. The if perch. Stop. Yeah, yeah, the perch. They would do the perch. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, there's no perch. So I'd have to tell them, stop perching. Stop, stop doing that. <laughs> and it, it's a different toll in the body. And right. you're in the middle of it and you have to keep going. And you have to talk over effort that you're not accustomed to. So I would say, do your modality and practice communicating without stopping. That right. is the first tool I would say. The second one is, is I would use the camera. I would practice in front of a camera. Whatever you do, practice in front of a camera. Don't practice in an empty space. You want that point in contact because you got to get used to a lens. A lens is not an eye. It does not look the same. You always yeah. go, do I look here? Do I look here? Do I look up and down? And just look at it and get comfortable with it so it feels like it's not this weird thing. Yeah. Sean, you're you know? so good at it. When you're looking at the camera, I yeah. feel like you're looking into my soul. Well, I'm looking, well, I'm actually, what I, it's you know, so, I, it's so good. I really am. Well, like, I, appreciate, I marvel. I appreciate that. I marvel at it. It's so good. It's like, well, I tell I you what I used to picture. I used to picture someone when I stared at the camera, like I used to actually do it like a skill that I needed because I was not great at it, teaching digital. I'm going to say that right. Now. I was the first class that I ever filmed for city row. They were like, that was a good try. That never <laughs> saw the light of day. Right. And I say all this, they go like, I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Well, and I knew exactly what they meant. I was like, yeah, I was, right, of I was all over the place. I was all over the place. But I started picturing the person who really, need, what they needed. And I was looking at the camera and I kept seeing that person going, yes, this is what I need. You need. And I, that's why I lean into the camera when I do it. But I would say those like in a practical sense, just practice in front of camera, yeah. get comfortable with it. The other part of it is, is that I would say, there's there's a balance in studio and I and I still struggle with it a bit um, of what you can say in studio that you can say not say on camera. You actually need to be able to say more, but not so much in on camera. In studio, it's even it's actually even better to say a lot less because there's other energies that people are having to deal with and they don't have they they don't want to just deal with yours as well on top of it. But on camera, you want to you want to remember. You're going moment to moment. And when you can give a moment, give that moment. Yeah. But if you're forcing it and either ends is not great, but I would just say the capacity to be able to do that and say it. And the other part is, is that own your mistakes in studio or on camera, own your mistakes. I mess up every single time in my programming and what I was but saying. But it's so like, endearing. It's so endearing. That because just speaks I to your it. Yeah, and it speaks people, to your you authenticity. Know, right. Yeah. But the yeah. moment I said something and said, like, all right, everyone put like 
400 meters. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm at 500 meters. At that moment, I have lost confidence in myself, let alone what the end users had. So I say, when you do it, just be confident. Go, you know what? I don't want to do that. Just kidding. JK, it's 500 meters. Let's put that on. And sometimes I'll hear you say, and what I mean by that is, and then you'll kind of clarify it a little more. Exactly. Because I love that. I love that. Yes. Yes. Clarifying is, is... be as specific as possible. But I would just say, like, if you're preparing for, for digital, you know, practice, you can't beat practice for it. But the other thing I would say as far as a skill on it is to watch it back. Practice in the front of the camera toughest part. And watch it. The worst part. The, wor- I, the worst. I struggle with it every time. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, I appreciate you so much. You said these classes that you watch. I have only watched one, maybe two classes I've ever liked of mine till this day. Because one, I can say I'm hard on myself, but I look at it and I go, ah, ugh, because we will always be our toughest critic. Always. So you can't, you got to, but you got to, but I, I still went over this critic a little bit because I show up. So I always say, win over your toughest critic. And that's you. Win that critic over. I love that. So good. Okay. So a little bit of a tough question, but I know you you are a believer in practice, that there's only practice between you and whatever it is that you want to achieve. But like on the real though, is digital for everyone? No. No, right? No. Okay. No, there's, there's so, I would say so much. One, let's put it out there too, is that where I may not consider myself the greatest athlete, I am a better teacher. And people who are incredible athletes in whatever you do, they're just not great teachers. That's right. so that's one. So that can tell you don't go in studio either. Cause you'd be like, <laughs> well, I used to play for blah, blah, blah. And this team. Great. Well, that's not what this right. is. So right. No, Athleticism and coaching is not always it's hand not hand. the same. So that, that starts right. there first. And then digital, as far as in studio one, no. And I think a lot of that comes down to also your personality. I'm very comfortable. I like to say I'm a a highly functioning uh, introvert. And most people don't know that about me. I spend a lot of time in very small groups or alone. And it's because not because I'm nervous or I don't have groups, but I don't need it. So for me to be in an isolated room all by yourself and coaching, you got to be comfortable with that. And if that's, if you need a crowd, if you need the energy from clients, one, don't feel bad about that. That's great. That's a skill. I love the community. I love it when I have it, but I don't need it. But if you need it, don't do it. Don't do digital. It's not for you. There's almost no instances where you're going to have a large group of people around you while you're doing it. So do not do it. The other part of it is, is that it becomes a a bit more consuming than doing studio. Like in your studio, yes, you may post socially. You may say, this is my class schedule. This is what you do. But once you start to live in digital world, like most people see me in a little box all the time, then they just look at my boxes. They look at my social media. You know, they DM me. They think they know you and things like that. And it could be a lot because it's like, what am I putting out there? Do I feel comfortable with it? Is authentic? And that, from my experience, that's happened almost primarily just in the digital end. It happens very rarely in studio. There are some mm-hmm. instances for people who are like back in the day in Soul Cycle, like people just followed them and thought they knew them there, but they right. also saw them in person. As we said here, I understand that I can form relationships without having ever met someone in person. 
That's I, like, I'm so glad like you said that. You. I'm so glad you said that yeah. because that's exactly what I'm going to ask you to wrap yeah. up the digital uh, yeah. part because I really am so interested uh, in, in asking you to share with people, how do you develop a personal brand and create a sense of community with people you have never met in a virtual setting? It just sounds so crazy, but here we are. Like, I feel like I'm connected to you. And it's not just because yeah. I work at City Row. It's because I've gotten so much from your classes and your energy, your IG lives. So how do you do that? How Tell us. Tell us the secret. <laughs> the secret? Well, you got to go to uh, you go to my website and then I'll connect. No, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, as far as far as I don't know if there's a secret other than it comes back to the authenticity. I think mm -hmm. if you were putting up a facade on, especially through digital, then people are going to smell it. They're going to smell yeah. that you're fake, that you're not who you are. If you're building your social media and which most social media is still only hi mostly highlights, but even if you're going to the extreme and you're, you're, you're asking for sympathy and things like that, I don't think where anyone lives or should hopefully mostly exist in both those, those areas exclusively. So just be real. And then the other part of it is offer to help outside of what you just post or what you people just do from you. I get the majority of the DMs I get or contact I get are questions. And I want to answer those questions because I don't get the opportunity to do it in a real one-on-one. -on -one. So right. I know that for me, I love like, what kind of shoes do you wear? You know, what do I do for this? You know, how do you hydrate? Like, and I just answer those questions and they don't go public. They don't go to anyone else, but I know because I'm doing that, that I am, I know internally I'm making real connections right. that I'm, I'm actually connecting with people. And then it, it reaches my values. Like I said, I have a list of values and one of my values is to be of service. And because of that, I do think it's helped separate me from a lot of folks in digital fitness because it's, it's overwhelming at times and it's exhausting at times, mm -hmm. but I always come back to the fact is I know I'm supposed to be of service. And I'm supposed to help others. But I, I also, the last part of it is I just like it. Like I, I can help it. I've been an actor since I was four. I like being on camera. I, right. like, I like having that because I like the fact that I have a platform and a stage to do those values. And I think if you don't want that, if you're just like, I just want to teach a class. Well, I always go, well, what does that mean to you? And I can tell you right now, I've never invented a push-up. I've never invented a squat. Those all came before me. So no one needs to come to me to learn how to do one of those. You can go anywhere. They want, if they come to me, they're coming to me because I help people comfortable doing the thing that feels uncomfortable. And that's all I can do. I love that. Such wise words. I've learned so much. I don't want this to end. Well, that will thank you. But that brings us to our little quick fire section. So I'm just going to ask you some questions, some fitness, some not. I always when I play this game with my friends or even when I've been on other podcasts, people are always like, keep it short. You do whatever you want. Okay. You tell me you talk as it. long as you want to. So rapid fire. I, Let's do it. it's, it's rapid fire, but you know, elaborate if you need to. Okay. Tell me your favorite song or artist to teach or move to could be two different things. Oh my gosh. I've been asked that so many times I, I'm failing. It changes all the time. Right. So I'm going to just say where I'm at currently right now. His name okay. is Jackson Gamble. Yes. Uh, J-A-X-S-O-N. Uh, and he has Let's Go. 
So yeah, I, I was just going to say, it's Let's what go. a jam. What a jam. That, let's yes. go. That all the time. I'll repeat right now. Yes. Love that song. Yes. If you could use only one word to describe your coaching or teaching style, it would be authentic. Love that. Perfect. The best smell in the world is mm. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> oh, I love that. The episode of you guys on the City Road Go for uh, Valentine's Day, feelings. Loved it. <laughs> I showed it to my husband. I'm like, why don't you do cool stuff like this with me? Why? Uh, um, she, was a, she was a trooper. <laughs> she was amazing. She was amazing. If you could do any job in the world other than actor, a director, or fit pro, what would it be? I would be a musician first. And I think the second thing I would do is I would be a counselor mm, like a uh for uh, would, like social for, services for, i would say probably social services i've actually done some of that before also i've worked with special needs children and adults so i probably would do that oh too. that's amazing i love that what's your favorite method of recovery after an intense workout the sitting on the couch eating candy count <laughs> Ooh, what kind of candy? Tell us, Sean. So I like gummy kind of things like that one. So right now I'm into, there's these things, these dots they sell at Whole Foods, these like mm -hmm. gummy dots. I've convinced mm -hmm. myself they're fairly healthy. Um, they're not <laughs> at all, but I will polish off a bag or so of those. Yeah. I'll think of you next time I walk by those at Whole Foods. What is your favorite musical, uh, Broadway musical or play? It doesn't have to have been on Broadway, but. Well, I'm going to be very biased because I've actually been in the that play and most people won't know, but it's called The Book of Grace. It's by playwright Susan Laurie Parks. And I was in the original cast of it. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was amazing when I read it. And it was, of course, a creative experience. So that's just nothing better than that one. So I'm gonna say awesome. That's awesome. And off, off. <laughs> and uh, last question, who inspires you? I am inspired. Wow. There's not many people who don't inspire me, but if I have to one person, I've most been inspired in my life by my grandmother. She doesn't have more than an eighth grade education, yet she's seen lineages of children and grandchildren come past her. And she's always remained true to her values and positive and supportive. Oh, amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you, Sean Patrick Tubbs. Where can they well, find you? Well, the cool thing is that it's Sean Patrick Tubbs. So I would say on all social media, but on IG, I mean, on Twitter, that's a lie, but I'm not on Twitter very much. But otherwise, you can find me at Sean Patrick Tubbs on all social media. Uh, if you go, of course, to Instagram or really even Facebook, you can find out about the different platforms I'm on. But if you have any questions, it can be about some, it can be about a platform that I'm on or another one. I'm here to help. There's no bad feelings. If you're like, hey, I want to find this other thing. If I can be of service to you, let me know. And he does answer his DMs because that's how we got here. <laughs> um, come up all, roll up in them DMs. That sounds always, weird. Always, always. Thank you again so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.